Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Steve Mosco, the newly appointed CEO of Village Roadshow and the former head of Sony Pictures Television. Village Roadshow has its roots in film financing and has had a long relationship with Warner Brothers. Moscow is on a mission to build out the company so that it can produce its own movies and TV shows for the first time. Here, Steve speaks candidly about making the shift from studio boss to launching a lean and scrappy startup operation. He also shares some intriguing examples of what he learned about the media marketplace last year before he joined Village Roadshow when he teamed with producer Jeff Robinov to raise money for Robinov's Studio 8 venture. Steve Moscow, CEO of Village Roadshow Entertainment Group. Thank you so much for stopping by to talk to us today. Cynthia Littleton, good to see you. <laughs> How long have we known each other? It is going back to, I want to say... Over Bill, 20 years, right? I think Bill Clinton was definitely in office. <laughs> I think it was a, a nappy we got to know each other. We both had many different bosses over the years, but here we are. Correct. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's good to no. see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, and it's very, exci- you know, very exciting move for you. Yes. You had a long run at one of the major studios, Sony, leading Sony Pictures Television at a at a very prosperous time. Terrific. And a difficult time in the business. Now, well, it was always good to me. Always, it was hard, but it was always good. If you can't have fun in this business and, and sort of enjoy and, you know, every time you walk on a studio lot, if you don't have a little bit of a like a, how lucky are we to be in this business, then you're probably in the wrong business. And you've always had that spirit I've, about you. I feel felt blessed every day. I've got up in the morning and gone to work. So, <laughs> Well, in October, starting in October, getting up in the morning and going to work has been your new gig as CEO of Village Roadshow Entertainment Group. Right. Tell us how tell us how you ca- became recruited to a company that has its roots in Australia <laughs> right. and is largely known for, for film production. Sure. It's actually an interesting story. So there was a period of time when I left Sony, uh, I was looking at a lot of different things. When I was trying, I initially looked at buying Tribune and some things changed in the political landscape where the cap for broadcast stations went up and it just made that a little bit more difficult. And some other things came along, but I, I was for a while I was out raising money with Jeff Robinoff, who's a terrific executive and was at Warner Brothers. And you know, I was talking to him about joining Studio Eight, and we were out raising money uh, and making the rounds in New York, and had met with the folks who own Village Rocho, the people from Vine. And um, this is a funny story now, by the way. And just, just to level set, this is Vine Alternative Investments, and Correct. this is one of two private equity companies that in 2017 acquired a majority ownership in Village Roadshow. And, and Vine's the majority owner. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, uh, we were going around and seeing KKR and all, like, all the big one, big private equity firms, and we're having great meetings. And, you know, I mean, you, you, typically you always get, even if they're not interested, the meeting goes great. And I've been through enough meetings in my life to know what the good ones and the bad ones are. But the, the meeting we actually had with Vine was horrible. <laughs> and uh, for a lot of different reasons I won't get into, but it was no one's fault. But they really didn't invest in startups similar to what we were doing. And anyway, long story short, the meeting did not go well. I've been through a lot of bad meetings. Like I said, for me, it was just, just let's get in and out of here pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, I said to the gentleman at Vine, I said, might be a good idea if you and I have breakfast because I don't like to end meetings on a bad note, right? So we have breakfast at Shutters in Los Angeles, and 
had a great breakfast and couldn't have gone better and signing the check. And he says to me, he goes, so what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm actually giving the commencement at my alma mater in a couple of weeks so I'm at the University of Delaware. So I'm finalizing the speech. And he said, you're kidding me. Like, I went to Delaware. <laughs> so on what that led to was this great, another hour conversation about a lot of things we shared in common with the University of Delaware, what have you. And he said, look, if uh, we're considering some things at Village Roadshow, and if you're interested, I'd love to talk to you. For a lot of different reasons, it didn't work out with Studio 8. So I called the folks at, uh, at Vine about Village Roadshow, and, and here we are. So it was a, it was the right decision, and it's been amazing. It's only been a few months, uh, but we're hanging on this great track. And I just think it's, you know, it's been a, it's a great time to be in the entertainment business. And I know that seems contrary to a lot of things you hear these days because there's all these big shifts, uh, which we will look back in, his, at, in a few years and go, wow, like that was a historical moment. We have Disney and Fox getting together with some of the things going on with AT&T and Warners, and there's just a lot of seismic shifts. Uh, but within that, for someone like ourselves, it's great opportunity. You can f- almost feel the winds of change, literally, <laughs> sure. literally blowing your hair. Let me ask you before I want to talk about strategy at Village Roadshow. But what did you learn from that process of you were you were you were working with Jeff Robinoff, who right. has a film production venture sure. that's based at Sony called Studio Eight. And what did you learn in that process of making the round, the money rounds of trying to raise money? What did you learn about what what the market is interested in, where investors focus is? Because I, I would imagine that would have been a very instructive process for somebody who was about to take right. the job that you have now. Well, a, a couple things. One is, I think, and, and rightly so, Jeff and I were banking on the fact that we had great reputations in our respective fields. And... I think people also respect the fact we were two very different personalities that mesh together very well. Um, but now that I'm involved with Village Roadshow, I, I do see that one of the things that's very important is having access to IP. Right. Because, like I said, I think at Studio 8, it would have been a trickier road for us, um, for the television piece at least, um, not having IP to start with. And we can talk a little bit about Village, but, you know, there's access to IP at Village Roadshow, which is absolutely giving us a jump start in building our businesses, both on the film and TV side. So the one thing I learned is if you're going to go out and raise money for any kind of studio or production business, it's extremely helpful to own or have access to IP. Right. You you kind of have to bring some, Something some tools to the table, to the table right. that can Other be than built. I worked for... 25 years at Sony, <laughs> right. or I worked so many years at Warner's. Not, by the way, not that that's not important. Right. Believe me. I mean, because I, I think we got through the door, and we actually were able to raise the money. It was so, wasn't, you know, wasn't like it was impossible. But in terms of building the business on a going forward basis, it's, it's pretty, um, it helps to have IP. Yeah. So you like your chances at Village Roadshow? I love our chances. Very excited. So tell. So the company was has been historically known for films, right? Did you know why there was a was there a, a sense of you know films is our mission and we sure. don't we we just don't know how to do TV or was it was it even a more conscious decision we're just not going to be in that market right. until obviously in this day and age you 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 can't be a content producer sure. without being in some kind of TV or digital content. Well. Here's the good news. Village Roadshow uh, is an amazing brand. 
And what I've learned in my travels so far is that it has great, I mean, you mentioned Village Roadshow, people have a great feeling towards it. Certainly in the industry. In maybe, the industry. Maybe not to consumers. No, actually to industry. consumers too, because people I've mentioned that had nothing to do with the business remember Village Roadshow. It's like, oh, I saw that their production, uh, you know, their logo what? before The Matrix, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I saw it before I analyzed this, and I saw it, you know, mm-hmm. for Mad Max. So all the movies that they invested in. Um, no, I think it was the strategy of the prior ownership, the, Aus- the Australian company, mm-hmm. that their job was to finance films for Warner Brothers. And, by the way, did a very successful job over decades building this library with Warner Brothers uh, of some pretty amazing films, which we obviously co-own mm-hmm. or have financed. So that's what they did. And that's what they were good at. And I'm very grateful that they built that. So I think when Vine came in, um, I think they looked at the business and said, well, you know, if we're going to grow the company, uh, we need to get into production. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I come in. And uh, I think they recognized that a while ago. Unfortunately, um, we hit it off and I was the right person to be to run the company. So essentially, we're gonna, here's what the company's going to look like going forward. It's, and it's four major tentpoles. Uh, one is we're going to continue to do film financing. Mm-hmm. And we're currently doing the same thing with Warner Brothers. We've done for decades. And, and uh, that's going to be an important part of our business. We're also, I'd say tentpole two is we're going to develop our own movies, two to four a year, um, primarily for streaming services, uh, but not not if we find a film we like that we would like to release theatrically we'll consider that as well but two to four films per year uh, probably be what we'll do there Uh, we're going to build a television business not unlike what I did at Sony just I'd say a smaller version of it Mm -hmm. Uh, but we'll be in comedy and drama all platforms early days we'll be looking mostly at streaming services um, to deliver the content it's much more predictable uh, from a financial standpoint um, so we'll do that. And then we're going to be in the production services business. Uh, so we will be producing uh, our own content, but we'll also be work for hire for others who need the help uh, to produce their own shows. What I, what I found is there are a lot of people that have great ideas, sell them to cable networks or streaming platforms, but don't know how to produce them. So we, we will offer that service up uh, to those who need it. So you're really in the process right now. You're you're beefing up and building all this infrastructure. <laughs> right. You're based in a, in Los Angeles, right? So we have our offices are in Century City. We also have an office on the Warner Brothers lot. What's really interesting is, and I feel very grateful that this happened. Although at the time um, it was hard, and you were, you were actually remember this uh, when Howard Stringer put me in charge of the Sony's television business. Yeah, back in the early two thousands. Yeah, it was it, look, it was really hard, and I think a lot of people didn't believe we could actually build it at that time uh, from where we were and it wasn't doing very well at all and you remember it was the, there was a network division and the one that I ran which was cable and syndication and over the years we built a pretty good company and we did it brick by brick and uh, very smart about how we you know jumped into it at the time got the basic cable first and mm-hmm. then worked our way in the broadcast network and we're all genres what have you that experience of building a company, rebuilding for you know a company right. that had been, but it was it was it was rebuilding, but it was also building. Yeah, yeah. however you want to phrase it. But uh, 
that experience was very, very valuable to what I'm doing today. Because the good part of it is, you know, back then when I, when I took over Sony's business, we laid off about a third of the workforce, which was very painful and not not a good situation. But yeah. in order to build a business going forward, it had to be done. I think we did it the right way. As good as you can do it. Um, this, we're kind of starting from ground zero. I mean, they've never had been in the production business, so it's a much more uh, productive, um, it's a happier way of doing mm-hmm. it, or a nicer way, because we're building it we weren't. We didn't have to clean up anything, and um, it's it's very exciting. And uh, there was a good core group of people there, um, in finance and legal. And Bruce Berman, who's been there for a while, came from Warner's, is oh, overseeing the feature division, the right? So we have a great core group. Now we're hiring out our team, and um, so yeah. But that experience back then was was very helpful, just in terms of like how you position a new company like this. How you approach the market. You don't want to overpromise, but at the same time, you want to communicate to people what exact what you're doing, um, what your focus is. So, uh, I'm glad. And I, and I and there's a part of me that thinks like all the things I've done in my career, both working on the broadcast side and studio, have actually prepared me for this moment, which is like I said, I think a great opportunity. Um, it sounds like for all of this, you've gotten a real commitment for some serious resources from mm-hmm. Vine to put into the because obviously you can't hire people we have and a, do all yeah, this we have with, enough yeah you know? we're, we're just fine I want to build a lean mean company I don't uh, the mistakes some people make when they do these types of startups is they just get a little too far ahead of themselves in terms of hiring too many people right and, you know so we're going to have a what we're going to do which I think is fascinating which I, I wish it was it would have been difficult to do with Sony just because of the way it was structured but um we're going to build, I would call, the studio of the future in terms of how we view development. So, you know, as I mentioned, Bruce oversees the feature team. Um, Jillian Applebaum, who works for him, uh, her lane's primarily for features. Um, but if she, as she's developing a project, if it turns out it goes from being a movie to a television, I would say a long-form television series, st- she'll stick with it. On the same token, uh, one of our uh, our VP of development on TV, uh, Adam Dunlap, uh, if he's developing a TV show, and wait a minute, turns into a movie, he'll stick with it as well. So what we're trying to do is create a development situation where people kind of have their lane, but they can also cross over depending upon where the development goes. Because in the end, what you want to be able to do is tell the story the right way, deliver it on the right platform, in, in, in order to make the most money yeah. and have it be seen by as many people as possible. Right. So we're, we're kind of taking a, an approach, which I think some of the platforms actually take in terms of crossing over. Uh, but I will tell you, in terms of as we recruit people uh, and talk about the company, that's more one of the more exciting parts of it, which is you know not being a siloed, old-school uh, development type studio. You don't have a lot of turf wars no, because I mean, you're you're no. just bringing in the people. It's funny because uh, Shannon Perry, who's doing Unscripted for us, actually has a relationship with a company that has some, a lot of um, ideas for scripted, both TV and and film. And so she's working closely with our with Jillian and Adam, and you know everybody's working collaboratively, and and it's it's a nice it's nice to watch. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think for the type of company we are, it's the most effective way to do things. Mm-hmm. But and again, just to reinforce, like these, this is a new level of activity for the company completely that had been new. completely yes in the finance side. We are. <laughs> so when I came in, uh, it was funny because when we made the change, I wanted to meet with the team in person, and uh, you know, having come from a company when you you make those transitional announcements, it's lots of people. We sat in the conference room, I think it was nine people. And, you know, we're, there, we have some people in Australia still there. We're in finance. Um, we're building out the rest of our team. So it's, I love it. At this point in my life, it's, like I said, I've never felt more energized or more interested in the business. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're in the bigger companies, you tend to have, you know, it's, it's there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's just, it's just, it's a startup in some respects, it's a startup with IP, mm-hmm. with the real business behind it. Um, so the startup portion of it's really on the original production. So yeah, but it's that's... nice to come into it. It's nice to come in. I, like, when you think of a startup, though, you think like, okay, you have nobody. I mean, right. we, we had a core team of people there that were running the business. Now we're kind of bolting on this original production feature in TV. But in terms of the IP, is that what is the source of that? Is that older films or how, no? How's so that um, we'll see how it works out with some of the Warner product that's that's in the library. But um, Vine actually owns several libraries, one of which is the Reicher Library. Oh, mm-hmm. so we have the ability to make agreements with them to access that IP. So things like Star Search and Nash Bridges and Lifestyles Rich and Famous. You know, there's a lot of really, you know, the great Santini. There's some really interesting IP in there, which, you know, we're getting a lot of interest in. And uh, so that part's exciting. And, and we, what we don't want to become is a company that just focuses on remakes. But same time, um, we think we can take some of this branded IP and use it as a way to kind of get, our, get the ball rolling and get, a, get out the door with some ideas and uh, we'll go from there but we're going to develop original IP as well but uh, there's some really great stuff in these libraries we're going to exploit. Knowing you and your sales <laughs> prowess, if Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous isn't back on the air by next year, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> I'm hoping it is. We, we've got a lot of really good uh, you'll hear a couple things coming up in the near future with some of the, the IP but it's, it's exciting. Do you think, does Vine have an appetite for, for additional acquisitions? I, I'd say it this way um I think that uh, there's plenty of opportunity with all the things going on in the world in terms of these companies coming together. You know, there could be some things that naturally fall out that aren't core to these new merged companies. So I would say it this way that, you know, it's certainly something I'm curious about and interested in keeping my eye on building the company outside of what you currently see. So as much as we want to, you know, create original content, both in feature and TV side, um, I think it's going to be important that we look at different ways to grow the company. Yeah. Um, interesting. Obviously, streaming is important. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, they're huge buyers of programming. But I've had a lot of producers talk to me about the, one of the one of the sort of game changing things about streaming is the way that shows are financed and the way they're paid for. And typically, content is paid for on a cost plus model, which basically means paying the license fee. Plus whatever you some can negotiate, yes. you know, right. ten, twenty, some on a high end, thirty percent right. margin, and that money comes much sooner 
to the producer mm-hmm. than under the old syndication model. Does that fundamentally, does that shift in this market, does that fundamentally make it easier, less um, less costly than a for a producer to, to for a production company right. like Village Show to enter the market as opposed to having to, in the old model, having to be able to deficit finance, you know, four or five seasons of a show, right. if you're lucky, to before you get to that profitability? I, I think a couple things. One is, uh, it's. I think this new model is allowing us to get into the business. Because there have been several people, big names, who have tried to get into the television business and didn't really understand how it worked. So they thought, wow, I've got, I'm making 20 pilots, and we got five picked up, and it's fantastic. Well, the math on that's not great. Right. <laughs> You've lost a lot of money on the 15 that didn't get picked up. Right, and the five that did get picked up, you're not you weren't going to make any money till four or five years down the road, and then that's over a period of time. So it's easier now, in some ways, if you're our type of company, to come into a business where there's predictable returns on your investment. Now, some people would argue, I know, but you missed a huge upside. The flip side of that is, if you look at the failure rate on some of these network shows in terms of going from or the success rate, I should say. From script to syndication hit, right? You know, it's like it's like kids who go to college it's play a thin, basketball. Thin group of people, they think they're yeah. going to go to the NBA. Of course, you know, there are people who go to the NBA, but there are a lot of kids who are sitting at home not playing in the NBA. So, look, it's a predictable business. I mean, it's, there are predictable earnings attached to these streaming deals. Uh, for a big studio that's doing those kinds of deals, it's not great. That's what you're living off of right. because you've built this huge infrastructure, global infrastructure, lots of people, big lots of expensive real producers. estate. Right. Where the big, yeah, where you're, the idea is, I got to get these network shows that I can then sell internationally. That justifies this big overhead. And for us, we don't. I mean, we can a predictable a, a Netflix deal or an Amazon deal or an Apple deal, where it's you know. We go to series. Say we have a series picked up. It's predictable upside. We cash flow the production. We get paid at the end. That's that's you know that's the business we're in, right. and it's great for us. Will we do network programs? Absolutely. Will we be a more measured approach to it? Absolutely. I, I think sometimes. And look, part of our thing is, and this was the thing we were when I was at Sony. I mean, we're Switzerland. We will be. We want to be in business with everybody, right? which includes cable networks and syndication and where it makes sense, right? So I think as, you know, you, you talk about, you know, what we're doing as a company, there's there's a lot of opportunity on the, fringe, not on the fringes in the business outside just the streaming services where I think we can make smart business arrangements and have it make sense for our company to be involved in. So, yeah, it's... Are you finding? I mean, right now there's no shortage of there's no shortage of buyers, but there's also no shortage of producers and production companies. Are you finding a welcome reception when you? I mean, are you at the point of going out to pitch people ideas at this point? We're there have been a couple things that have come out of our library that um, we kind of initiate early on that we've had great response to, but uh, there's a couple more hires I need to make before we get like full on. Um, so we're. Like I said, I, you know, you know me well enough to know. There's a part of me which like wanted to run out the door like on fire day one, going, <laughs> look at, you know, we're in business. But like I said, I learned I learned a lot of valuable lessons back in the day when you know we started up at Sony and 
you know, kind of re-engineered the company that you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. I mean, I, I plan on this being a long-term, you know, venture. So kind of the steps we make early days have to be the right ones. I don't want them to be missteps. So we got to get a couple of the right people in place. But uh, there were a couple obvious things um, that we had an opportunity to take out and we're working on. But, uh, but yeah, so far, the response, look, the response has been great. And there's one, not to sound like the get off your lawn, get off my lawn guy, <laughs> but I, the, the one valuable lesson I pass on to my kids and I pass on to any of the younger people I bump into through, I mean, on the board of LMU and speak to a lot of colleges and high schools, you know, it, it does matter. Um, your reputation is important. And how you handle yourself through your career is important. And how you treat people is important. And the one thing I learned during my, you know, I took time off in between my time at Sony and now Village Roadshow is, you know, all those things you think maybe that matter to you but didn't matter to other people's people, they do matter. So not only have I been overwhelmed by the response to Village Roadshow and the good feelings towards them, it's been, I'm grateful for some of the nice things people said to me about coming back into the business and re-entering it with this company and uh, so the, the people stuff has always mattered to me and uh, you know when you're in a big company there's a lot of political forces and it's tough doing business and you gotta make difficult decisions but you can do it in a way where you maintain your dignity and friendships and morals and ethics and yeah. I think you know I did my best to, along the way to keep all those things in check so uh, yeah the Steve Mosco brand is strong. <laughs> well, I, it gives me uh, faith in humans when that stuff matters. So, What would you say has been the, the hardest or the most surprising thing that you have found as you are starting to build out these other areas? I'll be honest with you. I've enjoyed every minute of it. I mean, I knew coming in that it would be different than working for a big studio. So things like, um, like when you things that would be, have been done by people that work for you, yeah, I'm doing them now, right? <laughs> you are business affairs. I am, so, and I <laughs> not quite, not really, but you, no. But there are like things like um, you just have to work a little harder to prove to people how you know how much you want to be in business with them. Mm. So things like like there were meetings in the past where I would have said, "Oh, if you want to do that, come to my office." Now it's like I'm going to them. Yeah, so like <laughs> you're if in any, the car. Like so. If there's, and I'll make this up because, you know, but like Jimmy Miller is a friend of mine at Mosaic and we're working on some things together. You know, a lot of times people will come to the studio for those kinds of meetings. I've, I've been very aggressive saying, no, I, I will, I'll come to your office. I'll make it easy for you. So, it, I don't know, I've just enjoyed, <laughs> I've enjoyed every minute of it. I really just, this was exactly what I wanted to do with this part of my career. So, even like hiring people, um, taking meetings like I knew it's, it was going to be different and I was ready for it so um, I I don't know that anything's been hard the one I will say this the, the and it's not hard it's just different this is really a right brain left brain job mm-hmm. so when I came into the company it was kind of funny that um, the first month um, we had I was evacuated from my house in uh, Wesley Village for the fires. Oh right! So I was out of that for a week. Um, then the holiday. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. We had to prepare a five-year plan. We had a board meeting. 
So then Christmas comes, and then we had and then I'd go on the road to meet with some of the uh, limited partners, and I was in Tallahassee and Toronto and New York. Then I came back, and I had like a creative meeting for one of the shows we're developing. So the really interesting, fascinating part of this job now is using like I'm using all the tools in my toolbox. I sit in front of bankers and talk about what our what we're doing to build the company. Then the next day I'm talking to managers and agents and talent saying, this is why you ought to be in business with us. That's what I love about it. And if I need it if I need anything, I'm getting it myself. <laughs> and it's fun. Like I said, I I think a lot of people who are in my position now have struggled with this notion of like, well my parking space used to be right there and yeah. my name was on it and I had a fruit basket and everybody came to see me and bop, bop, bop. All that stuff, none of that matters to me. You know, I'm just, I, I'm, like I said, I'm enjoying building the company, working with the people at Vine who are terrific, uh, like building our plan, how we're going to build the company out. I, I, I have the expectations of what it could be. You know, we haven't gone out running our mouth off about how great we're going to be. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll let our work kind of show for it. And... Um, like I said, I'm, I'm actually just grateful that I handled myself the way I did coming through because people actually want to be in business with us if it makes sense. It's so, so great that you had that bad meeting with Vine. <laughs> <laughs> Alternate, alternative it's, investments. It, it's bizarre, actually. Yeah, awesome. it, but it, it was meant to be. I And I actually, uh, after I left Sony, I, I, like I said, I was very lucky from the standpoint I had time to really make the right decision. But... Um, I always had this weird feeling that something like that was going to happen because, I, like I said, I, you know, I was the Sinclair situation was one where you, you talked know, to Sinclair talking, Broadcast and about I've known, doing something. You know, my first job in television, I was hired by David Smith's father, so that goes back forty years from Baltimore. A um, couple of things popped up, but um, it's funny how things happen. This was the one. The one thing I would I will tell you though, because you were saying that. That you know, what was the difficult part of it of joining Village Roadshow or the hardest part? The one thing I did, which I would give advice to anybody who decides to make any kind of career change, is try to find things you can do in your day that are consistent with what you did when you were working. So, in other words, like I get up really early in the morning to go work out before you had the, when you were yeah when I was with Sony, like I, yeah. I had a like my mornings were pretty set. Like I wake up a certain time really early. You know, I live for ways out of town, so mm-hmm. I drive in work out, and go to work. I kept that exact schedule in the morning um, every day after I left Sony. While you were between so when jobs. I went, yeah, so I went back to the village, when I went back to work, like my mornings start off exactly the same way they had forever. So it wasn't that, I, I thought that would be a big change, but it wasn't. The transition was great. And, um, and I enjoyed every second I was in between Sony and Village Roadshow. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, you kept your discipline. Yes. Now, I understand in, in, in addition to launching, you know, building out this company, launching these, this whole new division of the company, you've also taken to podcasting yourself. I have. Tell me about your podcast. It's called Unsung Leaders. Unsung Leaders. So um, along, I, I wanted to make sure I kept my mind sharp, uh, you know, amongst other things. But uh, there was a guy I worked with at Sony when I first came to Sony named Bill Benson. And he was my assistant. And he was paying his way through school. And we remained friends over the years. Look him up. He, he has a company. He has a thing called the Mental Gym. And 
He's a very, very smart and great guy. Anyway, what I had set out to do was write a book on leadership when I left Sony. And what I realized along the way was that we needed a couple more hooks. Uh, and Bill did too. And Bill was co-writing it with me. So anyway, um, we decided we would, do, we would do a podcast as a way to kind of get these more stories on leadership and mm-hmm. whatever. And what we realized is that there are a lot of people in the entertainment business or in lots of businesses who are leaders, but they're leaders with publicists and are great self-promoters. <laughs> and by the way, good for them. We're not knocking what they do. But what we also came to realize was that there are people in life that are great leaders, which you hear nothing about. And it could be a teacher in some small town mm-hmm. That does something special. Or, you know, I live in Thousand Oaks area. And when they had the mass shooting, um, people just step up. And they're not looking for to be noted, to be honored, to be, you know, any of those things. They just did it because it was the right thing. So we went up down the road of finding people who did amazing things or amazing leaders that you never heard of. Mm. And uh, we did 10 episodes. And... Uh, then I went back to work, and now we're trying to figure out the scheduling. But uh, Steve Moscow, your energy and enthusiasm for this new gig is palpable. Congratulations to you. Good luck, and come back and visit us and tell us how, thing, how great things are going for Village Roadshow in a, in a year or so. And Cynthia, thank you. It's great to see you. And uh, like I said, you've always been the uh, shining star in your industry for me. And uh, so anyway, it's just great to reconnect, and thank you for having me. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. 